Today is really a pretty awesome day, a special day. Not only have we got to celebrate with seven people who have made a decision to follow Christ through baptism and declare his lordship over their life, what an awesome opportunity that is. And not only tonight at 630, I hope you come back. We're going to have a tremendous night as we have our movie night, and uh, we just have a great time gathering together, have some fun as a family coming together. But if you uh, were aware, if you saw a few posts on Facebook, this morning at 8 o'clock we had uh, Jessica Westbrook, who... Uh, uh, her and Ian are going to be our campus pastors. Uh, she preached our 8 o'clock service. Uh, Samantha Bright, her and John Wesley, are youth pastors here in Arab. She preached at 9.30. Uh, and this service I'm really honored because uh, 28 years ago, uh, God changed my life for good in a really powerful way. And that is that 28 years ago, uh, I met and married my beautiful bride, Kelly. And uh, so we got married July the uh, 28th in 1990. And uh, we're coming up on our 28th anniversary, and we're really excited about what God has done in our lives. But that, that decision uh, to get married, uh, as you guys all know that have been married, it's a pretty major decision. But what I didn't realize in the process of that is that 28 years ago, we got married. 27 years ago, we started pastoring a small Methodist church. And 20 years ago, we planted and launched Liberty Church here in Arab. And how many of you have had an opportunity to go through an encounter retreat? Anybody had an opportunity to go through an encounter retreat? Amen. Uh, over 1,200 people have actually went through encounters in the last 12 years. And I want you to understand when the scripture says that God works all things together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose and what the enemy meant for evil, God uses for good. The fact that over 1,200 people have went through encounters is a result of the fact that uh, my wife, who battled a severe battle of depression for over 10 years, she's going to share just a brief of that today, uh, was healed and delivered and set free by the grace of God. And as a result of her own personal walk with the Lord and journey, we were able to birth and start doing encounters, and we have all been changed because of that. Uh, she has been my partner in life, my partner as in our family, and my partner in the ministry now for 26 years. I wouldn't be who I am without her. I tell her all the time she's my hero. Uh, because I've seen her fight the good fight of faith and keep on fighting and keep on persevering and keep on enduring and keep on getting up even when she got knocked down. And uh, you're going to see tonight she is uh, she's very hot, and she's going to talk about that. She's honest, open, and transparent. And you're going to hear a little bit of her heart today. Uh, but I want you to just welcome Pastor Kelly Hodges to the stage today as she shares the word of the Lord. I love you. Okay. Got to get my time set because we're on time preachers. Yes? All right. So, first of all, I just want to thank you, sweetie, for those kind words. That was amazing. Um, thank you for this opportunity to give the word for this service today. It has been a long time coming. Um, I just, I do want to be hot with you for a minute, honest, open, and transparent. I'm going to live my, my life that way. Um, I have never told the Lord that I would say yes to him. Whatever it is that he asked me, I've never told him that. But at the beginning of 2019, I got fed up with allowing fear to rob from me. I told the Lord, whatever you ask of me, I'm going to say yes to you. And so here I am. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I got to open up this iPad. So today we're going to wrap up our series on love one another. 
So I want us to look at 1 John 4, 19 through 21. It says, we love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates his brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their brothers and sisters. So what is love? Well, we know that love is not a feeling. Our feelings are fickle and they are constantly changing, right? Sometimes hour to hour, sometimes minute to minute, for some of us, sometimes second to second. So we know without a doubt, love is not a feeling. Love is an act or an action of faith that builds bridges and cultivates healthy relationships. We believe that the only way we can love a God that we can't see is to love the people we can see. Love does. And did y'all know there is a book entitled Love Does by Bob Goff? This book is a great book, and I just want to encourage you, if you want a good book to read about a radical, crazy love, get this book. So Dr. Lisa Van Zandt loaned this to us several months ago, probably longer than that now. And it sat on the side of, in my bedroom on the shelf for a few months. And then in December, um, Keith and I were traveling for his birthday. I picked up the book, and I thought, I'm going to take it. We're going to have some time. I'll get to read. But while we were writing... Usually I get very quiet, and I didn't realize this until Keith pointed out to me. So we're riding along. He's driving. I'm riding. And I just get really comfortable, and I get really quiet. And then he laughs and says, if I don't talk, we just don't talk sometimes. I'm like, well, I'm going to read then. So he drives and listens, and I read and ride, and we have a great journey to our destination. But again, about this book, it's kind of thick. So for some of you that don't like to read thick books. Let me encourage you. Each chapter is a short little story. So we picked it up in December and read some. We traveled again in January. We read some more. We traveled again in February and we finished the book. You can literally read a little bit, set it down, read some more, set it down. But I just want to encourage you. This is, this is a book about a radical, how people are loving other people in crazy ways. It is really good. So that's my plug for a good book, Love Does, Bob Goff. And Lisa, I'll return yours today. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing that we learned from Pastor Keith during this series is there are no requirements on love because love is unconditional. But relationships have requirements and are conditional. Relationships require two people, right? It takes two people to have a relationship, but love is a solo act. We love others like Jesus loves us, and we shouldn't expect anything in return from him, from them, from him, yeah. But love is a solo act. Another thing that we learned from Pastor Keith during this series is love greets one another with affection. Love acknowledges even if it doesn't agree. So on this one, I've just got to share with y'all. The Holy Spirit stepped on my toes big time. He told me, he said, Kelly, you're hiding your light under a bushel. And I'm like, what? No. He said, yes, Kelly, you are hiding your light under a bushel, and I don't want you to do that anymore. I said, how am I hiding my light under a bushel? Tell me. And he did. You know, he's very honest with us, right? So he said, Kelly, this is how you're hiding your light under a bushel. You are, you are using the excuse of shyness not to acknowledge another person's existence or to greet them. I'm like, okay. <laughs> now, I'm just going to tell you, I am very, very shy. In this, 
Here, not so much, but I still am a little bit with people that I've never met before. Outside of here, I am to the extreme of shy. All the years that my kids played basketball, baseball, football, all those sports, I would never go and meet and greet the other parents or even the person sitting next to me if I didn't know them. That's how shy I'm talking I am, for real. But the Holy Spirit said I cannot be that way anymore. So I don't know if there's any more shy people in here, but if you hear this word, I hope the Holy Spirit gets you too, so that I'm not the only one. <laughs> Just kidding. No, not really. <laughs> so we've got to be willing to meet and greet others that we don't know so that our light for Jesus can shine brightly for him. Another thing that we learned is love accepts one another just as Christ accepts us because love empowers us to change. So we love one another when we accept people where they are without trying to change them. And listen, guys, we cannot change anybody. I don't care how hard we try. We cannot change anybody. Um, but the Lord can. So if we'll love them in their mess where they're at, man, amazing things will happen. Amen? <laughs> so today, we're going to look at Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, and we're going to look at three more expressions of love. So verse 31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So our first point for today is love is kind. We love one another when we are good, pleasant, and useful. And kind in this scripture actually means good, pleasant, and useful. Isn't that funny? Good, pleasant, and useful. Love refuses to be harsh, callous, or cold. Love lends a hand instead of pointing a finger. So we've got to be on purpose to look for ways to be, to be good, pleasant, and useful to our family, to our spouse, to our children, to our co-workers, to our ministry teams. We need to be finding ways to be good, pleasant, and useful. So I just want to share with you, Wednesdays are Keith's day that he studies and prepares for Sunday. And so this Wednesday, and Wednesday, usually I'm cleaning my house and preparing for our small group. But this Wednesday, he was very useful to me. He said, if you, will t you can have the day to study and prepare for Sunday, and I, when I get done at the church office, I'll come in and clean. I was like, thank you so much. I was so relieved because I'm like, how am I going to get all this done and, and still have time to study and prepare? But he was very kind to me. So these are ways that you can be kind to others. And I'm sure you are thinking of some ways now, or I'm hoping you are. So another thing that happened to me when I was in Walmart, there was a little old man with a cane, and he was trying to pick up a big old pack of waters and put it into his grocery cart. And instantly, the Holy Spirit said, Kelly, I want you to help him. So I did. So I helped him. I put it in his bag, and I'm like, well, Lord, am I going to have to stalk this man in Walmart now to make sure that he can get outside and get this out of his buggy? And instantly, I heard the Holy Spirit say, no, Kelly, no. If I placed you here in this moment, you can trust me that I'm going to place somebody around him outside. And I was like, thank you, Jesus, because I got stuff to do, right? <laughs> I mean, usually when we go in Walmart, we want to get in and get out. You look down. You don't make eye contact. Well, let me tell you, you can't do that no more. 
How are you going to be the light of Jesus if you're looking down and not making eye contact? Now we got to say hello to people and smile at them. Good morning. How are you? I'm learning to do all that. I really am. <laughs> you know, we need to be kind to our coworkers. I don't work. I, I'm at the church two days a week, and I love all the people there, so it's really easy to be kind to them. But for you that work in places where your coworkers aren't that nice, just give them a smile and a good morning and know that how they respond to you doesn't matter. God says we need to be kind to each other. So love lends a hand instead of pointing a finger. It's easy for us to point out other people's faults, right? Yes. Not so easy to point out our own sometimes or the things that they're doing wrong, whether it's our spouse, our children, our family, our friends, our ministry team. Sometimes it's very easy. But remember that love lends a hand and helps them instead of finding fault with them. And let me just say for parents, um, point out the things that your children are doing right, and when they mess up, you can bring that thing that they messed up, and you can make it into a teachable moment without it seeming like it's a teachable moment, if you get my point. Yes? So Colossians 3.13 says, Make allowances for each other's faults. Remember that love is kind when we love one another, when we are good, pleasant, and useful. And I'm hoping y'all are thinking of those ways that you can do all that today. Um, Our next point is love is tenderhearted. We love one another when we show compassion. Love refuses to kick a person when they fall down. Love sympathizes instead of criticizing. So we need to be tenderhearted. We need to sympathize with others when they're struggling. And I like to insert the word here, sensitive. We need to be sensitive to others when we know that they're struggling or they're going through a hard time. We need to put ourselves in their shoes. In order to sympathize with others, we need to stop and think about the person and what their life might be like right now. Think about the feelings and emotions that come when we ourselves have struggled or the lies of the enemy that we have believed when we've struggled. Um, I believe one of the biggest lies that we believe when we're struggling is that we're all alone and that no one understands us. And a few years ago, um, on a Sunday morning, I was getting ready, and the enemy was just bombarding my mind. I mean, he was coming against me like crazy. It was double time this morning. Um, I was running late, and all I was hearing was, you're alone, nobody understands you, you're running late, you're never going to get this right, you're never going to be on time, you're stupid, because you keep making the same stupid mistakes. I mean, it was coming at me really, really bad. And I started crying, and I already had my makeup on, and I'm like, oh my Lord, Jesus! But I just remember crying out, Holy Spirit, speak truth to me. And in that moment, when I said that, Instantly, those lies stopped coming. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, Kelly, the truth is you are by yourself right now. And I was, I was in my bathroom getting ready. But he said, you're not alone. I'm right here with you. So can I just share with you, Holy Spirit speak truth to me. That has been a game changer in my life. Because you know, the enemy's always lying to us. He's always, he's the father of lies. And he's, he's always lying to us. He's always trying to get us tripped up and to get us to stop moving forward. But Holy Spirit speak truth to me. He's always truthful. He's always honest. 
So typically when we struggle or when we're in a dark place, we withdraw and build walls to keep others out. But it's in those moments that we need someone to climb the wall and reach out to us. I've had a lot of people over the years to climb my walls and encourage me and love me where I was. I mean a lot of people, and there's a lot of you in here that have done that for me. And I just want to say thank you. So I want to share with you a memory that happened five years ago and a great lesson that I learned. So five years ago, um, there was 13 of us ladies where we were going to a, a NRP women's conference in Louisiana. And I booked, we were riding a train. So that was a fun adventure, right? Well, me and my girls went a couple of days before because I had a pastor's wives meeting and then a dinner. So my girls tagged along with me so I wouldn't travel alone. Thank you, girls. (laughs) But um, so we get there. So the ladies' journey there was a little stressful because the weather. And so they were late getting in. But what I noticed about them ladies is that when they got there, even though they had a stressful time getting there, they were laughing. They had some funny stories to share. They had bonded. They had connected. And I zoned in on that big time. I'm like... Okay, Lord, I want this. I want to experience this that they got to experience on the way home. So it didn't matter what was going on at the conference. This is what I was aiming for. I want to bond with these ladies. I want to connect with them. I want to laugh with them. I want to have fun with them. But wouldn't you know it, the devil. Mm. Now, I'm not an early morning person. I'm really not. I wish that I was, but I'm not. So we had to be ready and be downstairs at the hotel on 6.30 in the morning. And wouldn't you know, I was running late. And the enemy was working. And I didn't know about this Holy Spirit speak truth to me yet. So the enemy was working, running late, already frazzled and frustrated. And then I get downstairs and there's a situation with the money and checking out. And so... I got snappy with a couple of the ladies. I snapped at people, what? That's typically not me. And I was horrified. I was, I mean, I was just so disappointed in how I responded to these ladies. Now, before we got on the train to go home, I did make things right with them. I told them I'm sorry. I asked them to forgive me. But y'all, my walls had already come up. My walls were up, and they weren't just walls. These were thick walls. I mean, so we get on the train, and there's 13 of us ladies, and the seats are two seats, so I sat by myself, and I, for the first couple of hours, I threw a big old pity party. You know, I threw a big old pity party. So the very thing that I wanted to experience, I'm not getting to experience now because of my walls. And so then I started praying, Lord, help me get past myself. Help me get past my issues. So I prayed that for probably an hour or so. This ride's only like six and a half hours. I better hurry up and get on with it, right? Then I started praying, all right, God, I can't get past my own issues. I need you to send someone to help me get past my issues. Send someone to help me get past my issues. And I'm telling you why, God is so gracious. The lady sitting in front of me turned around and asked me, she said, hey, Kelly, would you like a circus peanut? (laughs) I'm not joking with you. I'm thinking, what is a circus peanut? 
Well, let me show you what a circus peanut is. It's this little orange candy, a circus peanut. Now, for me, I would have said, do you want some candy? But she was very specific. Would you like a circus peanut? And I'm just going to tell you, that was Jennifer Allison, my friend. I want to say thank you for climbing that wall and meeting me in my struggle. Because I asked the Lord to send someone, and she turned around, and she responded well. So thank you. So from that, this is what I have learned, okay? We're all going to struggle. We're all, you know, some of us have, are really good about putting walls up around us. But I want to encourage you, you can look around this room, and I know there are people that are struggling. So for those of us that are on the other side of that, be aware of it. If a person seems unapproachable, approach them anyway because they're struggling. That's the look of a struggle. And so let today, our ushers are going to be giving everybody some circus peanuts. <laughs> and this is what I want you to do with these. You can eat one or two. There's only three in a baggie. I mean, I couldn't buy a whole bunch of them for all y'all. You can eat one or two, and you can share them, okay? But this is our reminder that, that we should never be alone in our struggle. So if you're not struggling, reach out to those that are struggling. Climb the wall, okay? I want to read to you Colossians 3.12. It says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And I want you to pick up the two words, tender-hearted and patience. Climb the wall. Keep climbing the wall. If they don't respond, that's okay. Remember, they're struggling. When I was struggling, Jennifer did that to me, and I communicated with her for a little bit, but I didn't, it didn't break down every wall in me. But she heard God prompt her, and she climbed that wall, and she came after me, and she drew me out of myself. And I'm very thankful that I had to learn a very hard lesson that time. So if you're in a struggle, this is what I've learned too, the enemy wants us to struggle alone. If we struggle alone, we don't win. So we have to be brave enough to invite somebody into our struggle. Be brave enough to invite somebody into your struggle, somebody that you trust, somebody that you love. And if there ain't nobody in your life like that, then God's going to send you somebody. I believe he will. Amen. So invite somebody in. Remember that love is tender-hearted. We love one another when we show compassion. Love sympathizes and is sensitive toward others. So I want you to be thinking about the people around you, the people you pass in the hallway of this church, the people that we're meeting in Walmart, right? We're not going to look down anymore in Walmart. We're going to look up. Look at the people around us. Um, love forgives one another just as God forgives us. Forgiveness is the key to lasting relationships because we all miss the mark and need forgiveness. We need forgiveness in every single relationship that we have. And Pastor Keith got it actually wrong a while ago. Baby, this will be our 29th anniversary. <laughs> 29. <laughs> I do forgive you for that. <laughs> yes, it was. That was a good plan, baby. So we need forgiveness in our marriages. You know, a long time ago, I used to think 
that, man, after we've been married 20 years, we're going to have it all down together. It's going to be smooth sailing. That is not so. We're still learning each other. He's blue. I'm pink. You know, we don't communicate the same. We don't understand. So we need forgiveness in our marriages. You've been married 50 years. You still don't know each other all that well. You still need forgiveness. We need forgiveness in our relationships with our children. I've tried to be a very good example to my children when they were young. When I would mess up, my tone was wrong, or I got on to, snapped at them or got on to them for something that I later found out they didn't do after all. Um, I've always tried to model of asking for forgiveness when they were little. I want to be that example to them so that when they grow up, it's easy for them to acknowledge that, they're, that they messed up and, and know that they need to ask for forgiveness. You need to ask forgiveness in your family, with your friends, in your ministry. Did y'all know that? We need forgiveness with our, in our ministries, with our friends, with our coworkers. We need to forgive those who hurt us, whether it's something small or big. And sometimes it's not the big things that trip us up. Sometimes it's all those small things that we, don't, that we kind of push to the side. But over time, it's those small things that end up tripping us up. So we need to forgive everyone of everything. Don't hold on to anything. We need to be on purpose to ask others to forgive us as well. Love forgives one another just as God forgives us. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. If we don't forgive, God our Father will not forgive us. And I know that I'm not the only one that desperately needs His forgiveness on a daily basis sometimes. Forgiveness is not optional, but relationships are. Forgiveness doesn't mean we have to continue in the relationship, but it does keep us from poisoning future relationships. Forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness doesn't mean that what the other person did is okay, because it doesn't. That's not what it means at all. Forgiveness frees us, though. Literally, forgiveness frees us. I hope you're hearing me. I'm proof of that. Um, like Keith shared with you earlier, I battled over 10 years with severe depression from childhood abuse. I mean, it was to the severe. I tried to commit suicide several times. I was in the psychiatric hospital for almost two weeks. This is, this is severe. I don't know how much more severe it could get. That was to the extreme. But I want to tell you that the root of the depression that I went through was unforgiveness toward the person who had abused me. Now, I said a little word, a little three-letter word I want you to really pick up on. I'm going to use this moment to teach y'all something, okay? <clears throat> the root of the depression that I went through. See, for 10 years in that battle, I claimed hold of that. My depression, my depression, my depression. And my counselors taught me, that ain't your depression. Why are you waving? I mean, I said my so many times, it became a part of me. It became a part of my identity. For over 10 years, this is how I lived. My, my, my. And she said, no, it is not yours. You don't want that. So any of you that are struggling with depression, with a sickness, with an illness, with an issue, and you've been saying my I'm asking you today to please stop. You don't want that thing. 
right? It is not yours. It is the, the depression, the sickness, the whatever. It's not yours. And while I'm at it, can I just say this too? If you are sick, and this is name on my notes, I'm just going to throw it in here. If you are sick, it is, you've been diagnosed with something. Okay? The doc, I love doctors, and I'm very thankful for them. I really am, and I go to doctors. But the doctor doesn't have the final word. God does. <laughs> so, if you're sick and you're saying, I got this, and I got this, and I got this, I want to encourage you to change your words. I have been diagnosed with this. But God says, God's my healer, and I'm, I'm saying I'm, I'm healed. I'm healed. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I'm healed in Jesus' name. By Jesus' stripes, I am healed. That was all for free, y'all. So... <clears throat> I would like to share with you some very exciting news, okay? Today is March the 10th, and today is my 17th anniversary of when God healed and delivered me. 17 years. <clears throat> so, and I'm still, I'm still walking out my freedom. I'm still walking out my freedom. God's done a good work in me and through me, and I know without a doubt he's not done with me yet. The best is yet to come. Amen. So I want to share with you three levels of forgiveness. We teach this at all our encounters because I learned this from my wonderful counselor 17 years ago, and it's changed my life. During the 10 years of, de um, of depression, I thought I had forgiven my dad several times. Honestly, I had. I actually stood up in church one Sunday and said I'd forgiven my dad. And I had, but the difference is I didn't know about these three levels of forgiveness. So I'm going to share them with you. The first one is verbal. It is a choice. You've literally got to take your feelings with the hurt that you've experienced and set them to the side and trust Jesus with them. I'm very thankful that 17 years ago today, that when my counselors taught me this, I made the right choice. Because in that moment when she was telling me all this, I honestly thought, there is no way. I've done this before. You know, I've done this before. I've forgiven him. And it just didn't work. It didn't last. Something wasn't right. But she taught me this. And she said, Kelly, you have a choice to make. And you, you're the only one that can make it. And I said, all right, I trusted her enough to do what she told me to do because I thought, you know what, I don't want to go home the same. I don't want to go home the same person with the same struggle. I want to go home changed and different. So I'm glad I listened and I did the right thing. So the first one is a choice. You set your feelings aside and you say, I choose to forgive the person that, that abused me, that hurt me, that didn't love me the way that he was supposed to. Um, and I release him to you in Jesus' name. It's as simple as that. It is a choice. The second level is emotional. This is where we're going to walk out our choice. And a lot of people get to the first one, they get to the second one, and then it ends up stopping. But this is where it changes, okay? So you've made the choice to forgive. Now you've got to stand by your choice. Because this is what happens. The enemy comes in again. He's going to remind you of that pain. He's going to try to stir up those feelings of, oh, you know, you know what I'm talking about. When you see that person that hurts you, it irks you. That's the word I like to hurt. It just irks you. It gets under your skin. But you've got to say, no, 
No, you've got to refuse to give in to those feelings. You know, not only that, the enemy's going to put the person in front of you who hurts you. He's going to put his, their relatives around you, and it's all going to try to get under your skin. But you have got to set your mind, draw a line in the sand. I'm not going back there. I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. Or if that's not your word choice, then I've chose, I've already forgiven them in Jesus' name. I've already forgiven them. Whatever it is, but you've got to say it out loud. You can't say this to yourself. That's not how we beat the enemy. You've got to learn to speak out loud because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Your words are life. There's life and death in your words. These words that I'm speaking are life. I choose to forgive. Remember, if you don't forgive, God in heaven is not going to forgive you, and you've got to learn to walk this out. The third level is heartfelt. We can, this is, when you know that you've really gotten there, when you can pray for that person and ask God to bless them. I will never forget the day that I knew I had gotten to this level with this person that had abused me. A Sunday morning again. I don't know what it is, but God's always talking to me really, really good on a Sunday morning when I'm getting ready. I guess I'm really focused on him. I'm not really sure. But I was getting ready, and instantly I saw the flash of his face before my eyes. And before I knew it, I was crying out to God for God to save him and for God to bless him. And instantly I thought about my counselors and what they had taught me. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is really real. This is real. So I just want to tell y'all, this walking it out, forgiveness, your freedom, all this, it's, it's real. And you can do it. Just remember, the first one is verbal. It's a choice. The second one is emotional, where you're going to walk it out and trust God to heal your heart. And the third one is that heartfelt forgiveness, where you can pray for that person and ask God to bless them. So forgiveness is not optional, but relationships are. Forgiveness doesn't mean we have to continue in the relationship. Eleven years ago, this person that hurt me the deepest uh, moved back to Arab. Oh, I was not happy. My mother had just passed away, and this person moves back, and I was in a hard place. I was grieving. I was just angry. But I said, Lord, if you want me to see this person, I will. But the Lord never released me to go back into a relationship with him. And so that's wisdom. My kids, young teenage girls, and my young son, and God said, there's no repentance in him. There's no change in him. And so, no, you cannot go back into that relationship with him. So anytime you are forgiven a person and you're contemplating going back into a relationship with them, make sure it's healthy. Make sure that it's going to be a good thing and, and not something that's going to drag you back down again. So we love one another like Jesus loves us. We build bridges and cultivate healthy relationships. 1 John 4.21 And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their brothers and sisters. So I've heard people say, I really love God, but I don't know if I love people. I mean, they're mean, they've hurt me, I can't trust them, Right? I've heard people say that, and maybe I said that a long time ago. I'm not really sure. It sounds familiar. <laughs> but how can I really, really love God if I'm not loving people? But I know this. We can definitely know that if we are really loving people, 
we are loving God, right? God desires for us to be tender-hearted, to be kind, to be forgiving to one another. To, to, when we're in Walmart, to raise our head up, to smile at people, to greet them, to acknowledge them. People that we know, people that we don't know, you know. So I would just like to ask everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. I want to talk to all you people that maybe if there's any in here, I believe maybe there might be someone that doesn't know the love of God. Before we can show the love of God, we have to receive the love of God. And if you're here today and you've never accepted the love of God and received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can do this today. I know that God is, God is tugging on hearts. So if you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you would like to pray to accept Christ and receive his love, then I would like to ask you to please stand to your feet. We're just going to give a few seconds for this. We always want to give an opportunity for the Lord. If there's anyone else here, we're just going to give a few more seconds for the Holy Spirit to move. Thank you, Jesus. So I would like to ask everyone to repeat this prayer out loud with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again on the third day and paid the penalty for my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life and be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Welcome to the family.